Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Travis. Well, good morning, New City Church. Grateful to have each of you here with us today. For those of you watching online and at our Matthews campus, uh, grateful to be joining you this way. You know, we're committed to local preaching uh, most often throughout the year, but today is, is special. And we're excited to have one message from Dr. Michael Henderson, our guest here this morning, who's going to continue our series, This Passage Changed My Life. And when we designed this passage or this series several years ago, we wanted to allow for other voices inside the church, which we've heard, but also some city voices. And Dr. Henderson pastors New Beginnings Church here in Charlotte. They started the church in 1999 with 12 people and just a little bit bigger than that now. Um, they've seen God really bless them in their ministry, and we got connected a couple of years ago uh, through a group of pastors that have been meeting together and praying over our city and how we can partner together as churches um, and as one church in the city to serve our city in better ways together, but also to reach lost people in our city together. And that's the heartbeat of Dr. Henderson. You're going to get to know that today as he shares a passage from Luke chapter 19. If you have a copy of the scriptures, I want to encourage you to go ahead and open or turn your phones on there to Luke 19 as he shares this passage that changed his life. And would you join me in giving a, a warm new city welcome to Dr. Michael Henderson. Thank you so much. Well, New City, I've heard about you. Now I'm here. I go to a lot of churches. I'm a, a denominational leader, and I get a chance to preach in a lot of different kinds of churches. And every church, every pastor says my church is friendly, but it's not. New City, you are friendly, and you need to give yourselves a hand. You are a friendly church. I, 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 I love the heart of Pastor Chris because he loves Jesus. And our hearts just connected immediately as we were in the same room uh, just sharing how we can win our city together. And it's men like your pastor that has encouraged me in a time in which our nation is under severe attack and it's not just political, it's spiritual. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach a political message. <laughs> but I need you to hear me, and I'm excited to be here because New City, we're new beginnings. New, new. And we are excited because God does new things. I Every now and then with, with my team, if we're just hit a state or stale place, I'm like, oh, we got we to gotta shake it up. God is not stale. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. And so I'm excited about the vision of helping people find and follow Jesus. That's, a, that's powerful. And I know I'm in the right place because there's new in the name. And there's a passage of scripture that I want to share with you as you all have been going through this series. If you will allow me to just act like I'm at home, all right? Okay, so in the African-American context, we have something called call and response. So if I say something that is remotely true, <laughs> it's okay for you to say amen. Oh, that, I like that. I'm at home. All right, let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. 
And I want to hear those hearty amens. As we go through the scripture together, I believe God's going to speak through his word. Amen? Amen. Then here, here is how it reads. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Translation, Luke chapter 19, verse 1. He entered Jericho, meaning Jesus, and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was, note, a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, and he was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through Jesus that way. And verse 5, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him. And when they saw it, they all began grumbling. These are what I call church folk. <laughs> church people like exclusive church. They like it where nobody comes in to mess up their circle. I know you don't have church folk here. I call it. I call it out in my church. I say, church people, it's time for you to leave. If you could see how you're looking at me. <laughs> like, is he talking about us? No, no, here it is. Here it is. And I want you to catch this. Look at verse 6. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly, like Zacchaeus. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he has gone. These are church people to be guests with a man who is a sinner. If Jesus is not supposed to get with sinners, who will? Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give it back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of of Abraham. Here's Jesus' mission. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is a passage that touched me many, many years ago. But I want to also preach it from the standpoint of Zacchaeus. Can I pray? As we talk, I want to talk to us about this subject. Close encounters of the kingdom kind, he changed my life. Let's pray. Father, thank you now for your word. You said it will not return unto you void, but it will accomplish everything that you have sent it to do. And so, Lord, I pray that you would touch our hearts and our minds and that you would allow us to experience the truth of this word. Speak to this, your people, not for fame or fortune, no, but to the end that souls will be saved, lives changed, and persons will see Jesus. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. In Jesus' precious name, all God's people together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Some of you, some of you may have heard of a, a, a real famous film entitled Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Anybody heard of that? Amen. And that, that, that film was 
old, and they've done reiterations of it and iterations of it. And it was actually written by Steven Spielberg, and he had this fascination with UFOs. And so Richard Dreyfus, he starred in it, and it's a story about a blue-collar worker by the name of Ron Neary who has an encounter up close with a UFO. It is life-changing. It, his life was never the same, and he spends his entire, the rest of his entire life trying to recreate that experience. Just in case you're not aware of it, that's what Jesus does. Jesus taught his disciples, he taught them, that this is what you need to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here in the earth as it is in heaven. In other words, that heaven would invade earth and that we would have close encounters that will be life-changing from something that is other worldly. Jesus was a big component of having these close encounters. As a matter of fact, when the gospel writers, when they wrote about these close encounters, they didn't happen all the time. They literally were life-changing and persons were never the same. Matter of fact, in the previous chapter here, there's a man by the name of Blind Bartimaeus. Now, blind Bartimaeus was blind, and he could not see, of course, and he heard that Jesus was coming, going to be passing by. And so, blind Bartimaeus did what you can't get church people to do in church. He got excited, and he got loud. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And guess what? The religious people said to him, shh, we don't do this in church. And, and, and Bartimaeus cried out even louder because when you need something from someone that no man can give you, you don't care what they think about you. And he cries out even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He got Jesus attention. Jesus stops and he asks him, what do you want? He says, I want to see. And he immediately restored his sight. Jesus is moving in that vein. And, and by the way, it does say that blind Bartimaeus from that moment on started following Jesus as one of his distant disciples. Because anytime someone can change your life that way, why would you follow anyone else? And so we get to the place where Jesus, again, is doing ministry, and he's, the Bible says he's, getting, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he's headed through Jericho, and there is an encounter with the least likely individual by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus is an interesting person because Zacchaeus is, the Bible describes him as a tax collector. Tax collector. Now, tax collectors were then looked at as turncoats because they were Jews who were working for the Roman government who, by the way, were oppressing the Israelites. So nobody liked a 
tax collectors. As a matter of fact, they were considered the worst of the worst. They were in the same category as prostitutes. I hope I have no IRS agents here. But people don't tend to like people who are collecting tax. Zacchaeus was not liked. As a matter of fact, he was despised. People thought of him as a turncoat, a traitor. You're turning on your own people for sordid gain. Money. Because anytime the Bible describes something, it doesn't do that carelessly. There's a reason. He's rich, but he's short. Uh, um, this is not meant to be uh, a knock on short people. Short people have needs too. <laughs> but there was a problem because Zacchaeus was trying to compensate for something missing. And so he determined, oh, that sounds like you know that person. It, he was determined to be seen as this rich wealthy business owner, and he was not only a tax collector, he was the chief tax collector, meaning he was collecting taxes from the tax collectors, and he was keeping all or the majority of the proceeds after they paid the Roman government. Zacchaeus was the man. And yet... He hears about this man by the name of Jesus. He has heard that Jesus was different because his kingdom was not of this world. And Zacchaeus heard that this Jesus would be passing by and he was not trying to get rich. He was trying to change people's lives. And Zacchaeus, in all of his money and all of his wealth and all of his, all of his power, he realized one thing, I'm empty because there are some things that money won't buy. There are some things that status won't get. There are some things that power will not get you. And Zacchaeus is longing. D.O. Moody, this great evangelist um, of old, and he, he, made, he shared this quote many, many years ago. God has created each one of us with a God-like vacuum in our hearts, and only God can fill it. And for those of you who might be seekers, the reason that nothing is ultimately satisfying you is because God created you, and you've got to understand something. God created you, and he is the only one who can satisfy you. And so he gets, has this encounter with Zacchaeus, and here it is. I love it because our text today is an example of close encounters that Jesus had, and here it is, Jesus uh, and Zacchaeus have this intersection that literally changes Zacchaeus' life. And if Zacchaeus was here, here's what he would say about his exchange with Jesus. He would say something like this. When I actually got up close and personal with Jesus and I had a chance to really see him, but more importantly, he saw me. First of all, he would say he changed my pursuits, my pursuits. Before he was pursuing riches, wealth, status, he heard Jesus, uh, but he heard about Jesus who was a healer. 
who was setting people free. He was tired of all the facades of life, all of the superficialities of life. Zacchaeus had gotten to a point where none of that mattered to him. He wanted something that was real. Thank you back there for that amen. Now let's practice class. If I say something that's remotely true, your response is, Oh, there it is. Thank you, sir, back there, uh, because I believe you are one who knows Jesus. Because I just heard it in the kind of sound of your, your amen. It's like, amen. I love that. So here it is. Here it is. His pursuits change. And Zacchaeus would let us know that I was pursuing money, riches, fame, wealth, everything that were, was external, and none of that ultimately satisfied me. And Zacchaeus would say to me, say to us, that I sought to see Jesus. I sought him. I didn't just casually come after him. Uh, many, many years ago, and I'm dating myself, um, but a gentleman by the name of Henry Blackaby, anybody know that name? Henry Blackaby wrote a series, and he talked about really uh, experiencing God, and the, here's what he says, that the, that, that the challenge is not to recreate what God is doing. No, it's to find out where God is working and to join in. Here's what Zacchaeus finds out. Jesus is coming. And he sought Jesus. And he connected with him because he was trying to see Jesus. And guess what? The Bible says that Zacchaeus, because he was short in stature, he was in this big crowd of people and he couldn't see well. Most of us would have said, okay, I'm going to pack it up. I'm going home. I can't. I won't be able to get it. The crowd is too large. But here's what happens. He anticipated his pursuit. Look at verse, verse 4 says, he ran ahead, climbed the sycamore tree in order to see him. And a short man who's tried to become a big man through riches humbles himself to become nothing more than a man who was trying to find a man who could do something for the longing that was in his heart. And he ran ahead to pursue the him by climbing a, a sycamore tree. Now that was not the most dignified move for a man who was trying to impress people. But when you've gotten to a place in your life where nothing satisfies you, you are willing to do things that are, as David said, undignified. What are you willing to do to get a real good look at Jesus? Zacchaeus climbed this tree. Watch this. He was determined not to be denied. He didn't, get, he didn't care that there was a crowd of people and they were all thronging Jesus. No, the Bible says in verse 4b, he was determined he was not going to be denied. So he's going to climb a tree. He's going to look foolish, but he needs to get to Jesus. Two amens were getting better. He had to get to Jesus. Uh, many, many years ago as a teenager, I, I, I need to tell you this story, that I was a teenager and I was searching for something. And I had become suicidal because life made no sense to me. I saw the cruelties of life, the, the inequities of life, the disappointments of life. And as a teenager, for some reason, I, I, I had the weight of this thing on me. And I just felt like, like Solomon, all is vanity. Why is, why is life worth living? And then a young man in my sophomore year of high school 
told me about Jesus. And he says he has a wonderful plan for your life, and it changed my life. So much so until that year we won 50 of our classmates to Jesus. The next year, my junior year, we won about 75 of our classmates to Jesus. The next year, they gave me an office. <laughs> and the problem students, they told them to see me. I used to be a problem student. Now I'm counseling problem students. because I connected with somebody who made, made life make sense to me. And once Zacchaeus saw that, he would have told us when he finally got to Jesus, he changed, he would say, my purpose. Jesus speaks a word that would change his life. Now watch this. In verses 5 through 7, he says, I must stay at your house today. Now, Zacchaeus goes from housing crooks and criminals to housing Christ. Isn't that amazing? And guess what? Church people had a problem with it. Church people had a problem with it because Jesus was not supposed to go to a sinner's home. Zacchaeus would say, the fact that the Savior would tell me, and now, now I, need to, I, need to, I need to add this as a caveat. Jesus has never said this all through Scripture, that I must stay in your home. He says this to Zacchaeus, which, which really would let us know that Jesus knows us and knows exactly who we are and exactly what we need. Michael, I met Michael earlier, and Michael, you have a godly just disposition, man. I appreciate you. He has my name, so he can't be that bad. <laughs> Michael, Michael actually lives up to his name because his name means one like God. And when I was meeting Michael, I felt that. But do you not know that Zacchaeus' name means pure, innocent? He is not living up to his name. Because he has no relationship up to this point with Jesus. And now Jesus is giving him a different purpose. Jesus speaks a word in his life. Jesus looks up. He sees Zacchaeus. He says, hurry, I got to come down to your, your house. And notice when his purpose changed, the crowd changes. Because all of Jesus' disciples and all of Jesus' friends are now entering into Zacchaeus's house and Zacchaeus is like boy I didn't have a whole lot of friends but now now that I've connected with Jesus all of a sudden I've got all these friends he Zacchaeus would say I was in the right place verse 5 says Jesus looks up and he saw him now, this has to do with Zacchaeus positioning himself so that, watch this, he could have access to Jesus. I need you to understand something. What are you willing to do to have access to Jesus? Are you willing to change your schedule? Are you willing to maybe sacrifice, give? Are you willing to make this place a, a headquarters for people who want to know Jesus? You are one of the most friendly churches. Just That's, that's a start. That's a start. A. That's a start. Friendliness is good. But how about when you start getting Zacchaeus' friends? 
people who don't look like you, act like you, think like you, walk like you, talk like you, but they need Jesus. Uh, <laughs> this is really funny. You're gonna, you, 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 I hope you, you get the humor out of this. Uh, my, wife, my wife is an attorney, and many, many years ago, uh, when we were first, we first met, one of our first dates was, was, was me going to the courtroom. Big mistake. <laughs> uh, what happened in the courtroom with her is, uh, is uh, I saw her. She, she was like Judge Judy or Judge Maybelline. She was telling people, and you're fine here, and you're this, that. And I got afraid. <laughs> I got scared. I got cold feet, and I said, I need to have a conversation because who is this person? Uh, <laughs> she, I said to her, her is, is, is that who you are? And I'm, I'm listening with bated breath, and she says, oh, no, 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 that's what I do. She says, and if you do what you're supposed to do, you'll never see her again. I said, thank God. It's almost been 30 years, and I thank God I have not seen her. But watch this. I was looking at her from a distance. When I got up close, I saw her heart. Some of us have been following Jesus from a distance. But when you get up close, you'll see his heart. You'll see what Zacchaeus would say to us. I realized he was the right person. He, Jesus, was the right person because the Bible says that when he came to his house, here's what Zacchaeus, here's what Zacchaeus, here's what Zacchaeus began to do. He began to immediately change just because Jesus came close. What does coming close mean? It means that he, he took away all barriers. He made sure nothing else mattered except his encounter with Jesus. Um, my wife and I were not supposed to be able to have children. As a fact, when we, we got married, we got married later in life, and here's, here's, here's the reality of it. Um, the reality of it is, is we went to the doctor to see if we could have children, and the doctors told us that, uh, no, he, as a matter of fact, on our docket was infertile. And... Um, and so we were, we were really concerned, and, and at, at, the, at some point I just said, sweetie, okay, we can, we can really just accept this might be God's will for us. And she never said, I accept it. She says, I believe God wants me to have a child. And so I said, well, here's what we can do. We can borrow people's children <laughs> and then give them back. <laughs> Some of you parents wish you could do that, right? So, so watch, watch what happens. She says, no. Her relationship with Jesus, she said, I believe he wants me to have us to have a child. And, and seven, eight years into our relationship, we couldn't get pregnant. And then one day she comes to me and says, I want you to come upstairs. I said, okay. We had company, so I went upstairs, and she said to me, it's blue. Well, you have to understand, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and I said, what does that mean? I'm pregnant. 
I said, you can't be pregnant. The doctor said you can't be pregnant. You are not pregnant. You are, you are, you are delusional. You are not pregnant. Here's what she said. I am pregnant. And Jesus answered my prayer. So I said, I didn't accept. Oh, no, I didn't accept that. I said, let's go to the real doctor. <laughs> you bought this test for $29.99 at the CVS. I don't trust it. So we went to the doctor. And I said, Doc, she wants to help her. She wants a child so bad. I think she's becoming a little delusional. I love her, but doc, she wants it so bad. I think she's perceiving that she's pregnant. Could you just take a blood test, help us get through this? And I said, I will help her together, okay? <laughs> he comes back and he says, uh, Mr. Henderson, you might want to sit down. <laughs> Your wife is pregnant. That's when I know, that's when I knew she knew Jesus better than I did. When you connect with the right person, like Jesus, Zacchaeus, he will give you the right plan. Zacchaeus would say, I got, I got my plan. Why? Because verse 6 says, he received Jesus gladly. He hurried and came down and received him gladly. And guess what? He was celebrating the presence of Jesus. I wish we would do that in church. Celebrate the presence of Jesus. Okay, okay, let me help you. I'm going I'm to really, really help you. Um, you know that the Panthers haven't won in a long time. <laughs> and we go to the stadium and we celebrate them losing. <laughs> Ouch. I wonder if they would ever win again. It would be deafening in that stadium. How about, it's been so long, well, I can say this because I'm from Ohio, and I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, and so it's been like 55 years. <laughs> but I'm still a fan. How about celebrating the fact that the Panthers may never win again? I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying track record. <laughs> but Jesus wins every day. Amen. He gave him the right plan, and I want you to hear this. Zacchaeus says, I now have a plan with my purpose and that, that will bring me to a place now where it changes Zacchaeus' priorities. Say priorities. No, say it like you mean it, priorities. In other words, a priority, what is the most important thing to you? Prior to Zacchaeus connecting with Jesus, it was money, it was fame, it was status, all the symbols of success. But when he actually connects with Jesus, his priority changes. How do you know? Because verse 8 says he offers Jesus money. Wow. 
uh, I can say this to my congregation. I will not say it to New City, but my congregation, I ask people, I know you know Jesus, but does your wallet know him? Oh, oh, you don't want to say amen, okay? Does your pocketbook know him? Because, because how do you change your heart and not your priorities? How do you change your heart towards Jesus and not want to literally give the rest of your life to getting to know who he is? And doing what he takes. As, didn't the Bible tell us as disciples of Jesus that our job is to get up every day take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. He changed his priorities, which caused him to repent. He repented. He offered to give back the money he had stolen and extorted from people. He offered to give back four times what he had stolen. Wow. The, the law calls for if you cheated a person, you are, you are only required to give back one-fifth or 20%. He offered to give 400%. He was a changed person. I often, Pastor, I know, I often measure people's commitment to Jesus based on what they're willing to give for Jesus. Because the Bible says wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This church is a great church, and I want to say to you, I wish, if I wasn't a member of New Beginnings, I'd join New City. <laughs> but because you're so great, you're going to be attracting more people, and that's going to mean you're going to have to get strategies, and you're going to have to look at the future, and it's going to mean everybody here sacrificing so that other people can get a view like you have of who Jesus is. He repented, but not only that, he remembered. How did he remember? He said, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'm not. You know how we have this jailhouse salvation. People want to get become Christians before they get their sentence. And then they think Jesus should just erase the sentence. That's not how it works. Zacchaeus understood that true repentance means about face. It means that if I've been going in a direction and I truly am changed, it changes the direction that I'm going and now I'm heading in the opposite direction. It, there's no such thing as you meeting Jesus and your life not changing. Four amens, we're getting better. <laughs> Finally, he realigns his life because here's what Jesus says to him. He calls him something that he hadn't been called probably for the majority of his adult life. In verse 9, he calls him the son of Abraham, which means you are back home. Because what you allowed to distract you and to take you away from your ultimate destiny in life, you have now been changed. He says, now you're back as a son of Abraham, and I want everybody here to know you are no longer being defined as a tax collector. You are now being defined as a son of Abraham, a child of God, a part of the kingdom, a born-again believer. Here's my challenge to you. 
where, where are you as it relates to Jesus? Has he changed your pursuits, your priorities, your purpose? I, I, uh, I happen to be a Cleveland Browns fan. I told you that. I'm, I'm, I'm suffering. But I'm a true fan. Because for over 50 years, I've been a Cleveland Browns fan. Win, lose, draw. I've been a fan. So I've gone through the difficulties of being a Cleveland Browns fan. But most Christians are fair-weathered fans of Jesus. As long as he's giving us what we want, doing what we think, providing what we feel we deserve, we celebrate. But can you follow Jesus when you don't understand what's going on in your life? You're just a committed follower. Close encounters. Zacchaeus would tell us, he changed my life. I hope that's the testimony of every believer under the sound of my voice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be challenged today that truly you, you are, you are otherworldly. You are not of this world. Your kingdom is not of this world. And may we understand and may you help us to get closer to you every day and do what it takes to get the best view to see you, but more importantly, so that we can position ourselves so that you can see us. We trust you. We love you. We depend on you. And we seek you. In Jesus' name.